Broken Timelines. Podcast Episode 9. By Jack Stornaway. Copyright 2019 Jack Stornaway. Pre-dynastic Mesopotamia. Like the Egyptians, the Sumerians recorded a long pre-dynastic history. The Sumerians recorded a series of king lists for different cities, which they claimed ruled Mesopotamia in sequence, with the kingship being taken from city to city. Modern Assyriologists generally disregard the idea that the kingship passed from city to city in a long line of dynasties, as this would push the foundation of Sumer back to approximately 23,645 BC, after the flood of Zeusudra. Adding the dynasties listed before the flood, human history would have begun approximately 264,845 BC. This is a tremendous period of time and is generally disregarded by both Assyriologists and historians as being nothing more than myths. However, humans were around at the time, and the brief records of the time periods in question do correlate with significant events in human prehistory as determined by research into geology, paleoclimatology, and archaeogenetics. The Kish Civilization the earliest kings whose names we have found on ancient artifacts, are Enmebaragesi, and Agar, the last two kings of the first Kish dynasty. According to the Epic of Gilgamesh King Enmebaragesi conquered Elam, in southern Iran, and then turned his eye towards Uruk. King Damuzid, the fisherman, of Uruk ultimately conquered Kish, and then apparently forced the former king Enmebaragesi to live as a woman. As transgender men and women are documented as part of the Sumerian culture, it is unclear if this indicates that Enmebaragesi was a female living as a male while he was king, or if Damuzid, the fisherman, was a sadist who forced the conquered male king to live as a woman. Assyriologists generally accept that Enmebaragesi and Agar existed, along with Damuzid and Gilgamesh, however, don't accept the earlier kings in the first Kish dynasty. One of the issues of dating the first Kish dynasty is that it is unclear if the different Kish dynasties were located in the same city of Kish, or even in a city at all during the early era. The ruins of the city of Kish are believed to have been near Talalamia, close to the city of Babylon. The unclear nature of the first Kish dynasty has led to the proposal by the Assyriologist Ignis Gelb, that early Kish may have been a culture, and not a city. In Gelb's proposal, Kish was the original Semitic culture that the Akkadians and Amorites descended from. There is some evidence supporting this theory in the Sumerian king list itself, as many of the kings of the first Kish dynasty do have Semitic names. Unfortunately, this cannot be seen as conclusive evidence for a Semitic dynasty, as some of the names are Sumerian, and the oldest copies of the Sumerian king list date to the Akkadian era, and therefore, the Semitic names could simply be translations of the original Sumerian names. There is some evidence that the Akkadians did translate parts of the king list into Akkadian, as the second name on the list, Kalasinabel, translates as all of them were lord in Akkadian. This is generally read as a sign that the period was either without government or was some kind of republic. The period of Kalasinabel was recorded as being 960 years long. If one accepts the premise of the ULT, that the Ubed civilization was the Sumerian dynastic period, from the first Uruk dynasty through the end of the third Uruk dynasty, when Sargon of Akkad seized control of Mesopotamia, 
circa 3885 BCULT, then the Kish civilization would have happened between 25179 and 7698 BC. This Kish civilization started in the aftermath of a great flood, that was the precursor for the later story of Noah's flood from Jewish folklore, which then found its way into the Christian and Islamic religions. It is a very strange time period for the ancient Sumerians to have stated there was a major flood, as it is at the approximate date that the ice sheets reached their greatest extent during the last glacial maximum, which is estimated at 26,500 years ago. The lowest level that the ocean level reached during the last glacial maximum is estimated at 135 meters below the current sea level, sometime between 29,000 and 21,000 years ago. After the ice sheets reached their peak, the ice sheets began melting, and global coastlines began drowning, as the ocean levels began to rise. The Sumerian king list places this date as about 25,179 BC. After the flood of Zeusudra, the first king on the Sumerian king list was Jushur, who reigned for 1,200 years. As the following king was Colossina Bel, whose name means all of them were Lord, which clearly isn't the name of a king, but rather the description of the time. This implies that Jushur and the rest of the long-lived kings were in fact periods of time, or possibly dynasties, or even civilizations. There is very little information that remains from the Kish civilization, the first twelve kings are completely unknown other than their mention in the Sumerian king list. The thirteenth king, Etana, is known from later Babylonian and Assyrian stories about him. He was known as the shepherd, who ascended to heaven and consolidated all the foreign countries. In the story of Etana, he became involved in a struggle between an anthropomorphized serpent, and an anthropomorphized eagle. The serpent man mutilated a cow, and when the eagle man came to investigate the carcass, the serpent man caught the eagle man and locked him in a pit. Etana found the pit and freed the eagle man, after which the eagle man flew Etana up to heaven, where Etana found the cure for impotence. While this story is quite strange, it does seem to be a precursor to the war between the man-bird angels and the serpent devil of the Jewish and Christian religions. This time period of King Etana, between 15,941 and 14,441 BCULT, is also interesting as it is roughly the same period as Manitha's 30 kings of Memphis. No other information about the Kish dynasty survives until Enmi Baragesi, who was captured by Dumuzid the fisherman, circa 7836 BCULT. Agar continued to rule Kish for some time after Enmi Baragesi's capture, however, according to the king list, the kingship was transferred to Uruk, meaning Agar would have simply been the local governor. If the Kish culture was a Semitic culture, the transfer of the kingship to Uruk, was the beginning of the Sumerian period. Antediluvian Chiropak. Before the beginning of the Kish civilization, the Sumerian king list claims that there was the flood of Zeusudra. While this flood served as a forerunner for the flood of Noah, it was not depicted as being a worldwide phenomenon the way the later Jewish story was. The early Jews most likely knew of the many flood stories from across their world, and interpreted them as one worldwide flood. In fact, the coastal regions of the world have been flooding since the height of the glacial maximum, 
during the last glacial period, sometime between 29,000 and 21,000 years ago. The melting of the ice sheets has not been consistent, and has occasionally reversed, as the ice sheets temporarily increased in mass during brief reversals. Nevertheless, the global ocean levels have been generally rising since the last glacial maximum. This sea level increase has generally been slow, however, has included rapid sea level change periods when large amounts of ice suddenly melted. Ice core samples from Antarctica and Greenland, along with studies of a variety of submerged land features, have shown there has been a series of rapid ocean rise periods, called meltwater pulses. These meltwater pulses are known as MWP1A0, around 19,000 years ago, MWP1A, between 14,700 to 13,500 years ago, MWP1B, between 11,500 to 11,200 years ago, and MWP1C, between 8,200 and 7,600 years ago. These meltwater pulses are no doubt the cause of many of the world's flood myths, and if the Sumerian king list is to be believed, the first one was circa 25,179 BC. There are several versions of Zeusudra's flood from throughout the history and cultures of Mesopotamia, where he had several names. Zeusudra and Zinsudu were the names used by the Sumerians, Utnapishtim was his Akkadian name, and Atrahasis was later used by the Babylonians. None of these appear to be real names, Zeusudra translates as life of long days, Utnapishtim translates as he who saw life, and Atrahasis translates as exceedingly wise. While it is possible that someone would name their child exceedingly wise, the other names are clearly not proper names, and as the exceedingly wise Atrahasis was the most recent name used by Mesopotamians, circa 1894-1595 BC CMT, or 3352-3038 BC ULT, it is clear that we don't know what his name actually was. Zeusudra, Utnapishtim, and Atrahasis. The stories of Zeusudra, Utnapishtim, and Atrahasis, are all essentially the same, although embedded in the larger narratives of their respective cultures. The epic of Atrahasis from circa 3352 to 3038 BC ULT, or 1894-1595 BC CMT, was the most comprehensive. It began with the gods dividing control of the world between them, Anu getting control of the sky, Elil getting control of the land, and Ea getting control of the water. This story is mirrored in many ancient mythologies, such as the Hurrian Anu, Kumar Bai, and Chub Triad, the Canaanite Hodad, Mo, and Yam Triad, the Greek Zeus, Hades, and Poseidon Triad, and the Latin Jupiter, Orcus, and Neptune Triad. As all of these cultures rose to prominence after the time of the old Babylonian Empire, the stories could have been copied from the Babylonians. The Epic of Atrahasis, continued with Elil assigning a group of lesser gods to work as farmers and engineers, however, after working for some time they rebelled, and refused to continue working for Elil. Er suggested that the gods create a new race to work as farmers and engineers, and so humans were made. Unfortunately, the humans bred rapidly, and the land became so overpopulated that Elil decided to limit the human population by releasing plagues and famines every 1,200 years, however, 
that was not enough to stop the human population growth, so Elil decided to flood the land to wipe out humanity. Er warned Atrahasis of the coming flood, and so Atrahasis pulled down his house and built a boat large enough for his family and friends to survive. The river where Atrahasis lived then flooded, and Atrahasis and his family and friends survived. Like the earlier Sumerian and Akkadian versions of Atrahasis, he was identified as being the king of Shurukpak before the flood. The earlier Akkadian version of the story, is found embedded in the Epic of Gilgamesh. King Gilgamesh, bereaved by the death of his best friend Nkidu, set off to find the ancient survivor of the flood Utnapishtim. It is explained within the epic that Utnapishtim was awarded immortality after the flood, which is why he was still around thousands of years later. The flood is also described, generally similar to the later epic of Atrahasis. In the Utnapishtim version, Er appeared to Utnapishtim in a dream and told him to build a cube-shaped ship, 200 feet long, wide, and high. Inside this wooden building were seven stories, each divided into nine sections, where Utnapishtim's family, friends, workers, and some domesticated animals lived during the flood. In this version of the flood, the ship floated to the hills of northern Iraq, where Utnapishtim and his crew disembarked. The earliest version of the story we have, is found on a broken clay tablet recovered from the ruins of Nippur, called the Eridugenesis. In this version, the gods Anu, Enlil, Enki, and Ninasunga created humans, and made parts of the world safe to live in. Then the gods descended to earth, and the first cities were built, Eridu, Bad-Tibira, Larak, Zimba, and Shurukpak. Later the gods decided to not save humanity from a coming flood, both the cause of the flood and the reason the gods would not help humanity are unknown, due to damage to the tablet. Where the tablet's damage ends, Zeusudra is in a huge boat with his friends and family, and some livestock. After the flood Anu and Enlil award Zeusudra with immortality for saving mankind. There is one significant difference between the story of Zeusudra, and his Akkadian and Babylonian descendants. In Zeusudra's story, the city he lived in was not named Shurukpak, instead, the king was named Shurukpak. The Eridugenesis tablet was found in the ruins of Nippur and dated to approximately 1600 BC CMT, or 2977 BC ULT. The dating itself is based on the debris the damaged tablet was found in, and it clearly dates to a much earlier time. 1600 BC CMT was the end of the Old Babylonian Empire, and the city of Nippur was neglected by the Old Babylonian Empire as the religious focus of the empire had been turned to Babylon, and the supreme god of the Babylonians was Marduk, not Nippur's patron god Enlil. This broken tablet was clearly being thrown away in 1600 BC CMT, which is fortunate for us, as it is the only known copy of the Eridugenesis to survive to the present. As the text is written in Sumerian it is logical to assume it was written sometime during the Sumerian era. According to the ancient Sumerian Tamil chronicle, the first king to build up the temple of Enlil at Nippur was Enmibaragesi. Alabaster vase fragments bearing his name have been found at the ruins of Nippur, lending credence to this claim that he was involved in building the temple. Many other kings built up the temple of Enlil over the rise and fall of dynasties, including Agar of Kish, Gilgamesh of Uruk, and Mizanepada of Ur.
The Eridugenesis tablet was written in Sumerian cuneiform, and so the tablet must date to the Sumerian era, however, if the Sumerians were writing their pictographic script on papyrus before they started using clay tablets, then the story could be from any point in Sumerian history. This means that the Eridugenesis could date from thousands of years before the dynastic city of Shuruppak was even founded. Dynastic Shuruppak the ruins of the dynastic city called Shuruppak, are near modern Tel Farah, in southern Iraq. The city is believed to have been founded around 3100 BC CMT, or 4600 ULT, after a major river flood. Below the city's ruins are a layer of alluvium that has not been excavated, so, if the city was built on an older city that was flooded, we do not know. At its height the dynastic city of Shuruppak was a major trading center, with more grain solos than any other known Sumerian city. Assyriologists generally consider the story of antediluvian Shuruppak's flooding to relate to the layer of alluvium found under the city, meaning that the story of the life of Zeusudra, or Utnapishtim and Atrahasis, can be dated to approximately 3100 BC CMT. While this is a convenient way to avoid having to deal with the idea that the flood happened at the height of the last placial maximum, it does seem to ignore the story of antediluvian Shuruppak being flooded, as the ruins of dynastic Shuruppak are built on top of the alluvium, not covered in it. If the story of antediluvian Shuruppak's flooding is correct, then it is unlikely it will ever be found. If it was built near a coastal area, then it is under over 100 meters of water now, and if on a river mouth near a coast, probably under more than 25 meters of sediment. If it was along an inland river, it would be closer to the surface, but still buried for 25,000 years. Unless the ancient builders were building with materials that could have survived the elements for that long, there should be nothing left of it. In the Sumerian king list, the city of Shuruppak was the fifth city built before the flood. This happened 18,600 years before Zeusudra's flood, approximately 45,800 years ago, after the city of Zimba fell. The name Shuruppak means the healing place, implying that the fall of Zimba was traumatic, unfortunately, no information about this event survives. In the Sumerian king list, Ubaratutu is listed as the only king having a reign of 18,600 years, however in the ancient Sumerian text the instructions of Shuruppak, Shuruppak is listed as being Ubaratutu's heir, and Zeusudra is listed as being Shuruppak's heir, so Ubaratutu could not have been the only king. It seems likely given the names recorded in the following first dynasty of Kish, that the Sumerians knew very little of the early times, and that no doubt included the antediluvian dynasties. Shuruppaki Genetics this time period is also interesting from a genetic perspective. Human mitochondrial DNA haplogroup K, is believed to have developed from haplogroup U, between 30,000 and 22,000 years ago, as the ocean levels were approaching their lowest level. This implies that during this time there was a significant population of mitochondrial DNA haplogroup U people, that settled somewhere and some developed into mitochondrial DNA haplogroup K people. This culture clearly had a large enough population that they could leave a significant genetic contribution to modern humanity. Haplogroup K is found in approximately 10% of the native European population, and 6% of the Middle Eastern and North African populations, with some groups having higher percentages, 
such as the Ashkenazi Jews at 32%, Kurds at 17%, French, Norwegians, and Bulgarians at 13.3%, and the gauge of Ethiopia at 10%. Haplogroup U did not disappear and continues to exist alongside Haplogroup K in Europe, the Middle East, and North Africa. The fact that Haplogroup U is also common in South Asia, while Haplogroup K is rare there, indicates that the culture that developed Haplogroup K was likely somewhere in the Middle East, North Africa, or Europe. This development of Haplogroup K, from Haplogroup U, circa 30,000 to 22,000 years ago is undeniably at the same time as the glacial maximum of the last glacial period, circa 29,000 to 21,000 years ago. Given the global atmospheric dryness of the period, wherever this culture was, it was likely near a large body of water. This points to a coastal location on either the Arabian Sea or Mediterranean coasts, approximately 130 meters below the modern sea level. Given the fact the haplogroup K is common in Europe and North Africa, but rare in South Asia, the Mediterranean seems more likely than the Arabian Sea. If one were considering the Mediterranean Sea, the Nile River also seems an obvious option. This time period is when the ancient Egyptians claimed there was an uninterrupted line of kings, from the time of Horus to King Bides. This time period is the first one the Egyptians described as ruled by human kings, and apparently existed between 30,435 and 16,535 BC. As Bides is believed to simply be the ancient Egyptian word for king, this clearly is only a very dimly remembered time by dynastic Egypt, however, it was recorded as being in Egypt. As the Nile was, even then, the only major river emptying into the eastern Mediterranean, it does seem likely that a culture would have settled in the ancient Nile Delta. Unfortunately, that would leave the ruins of Shirokpak under 130 meters of water and alluvium that have accumulated in the past 25,000 years. Antediluvian Zimba. According to the Sumerian king list, before the time of Shirokpak, the kingship was in Zimba for 21,000 years. Meaning that Zimba would have been founded approximately 64,800 years ago, after the city of Larak fell. Zimba is the direct translation of the ancient Sumerian name, generally used by historians when dealing with the antediluvian city, however, Assyriologists prefer the Akkadian name Sippa when referring to the dynastic city. There were at least two cities called Sippa, in dynastic Sumer, Sipparamnanum, and Sipparyarurum. Unfortunately, early archaeologists in the 1800s did not keep good records of where they excavated artifacts from, and simply labeled items as coming from Sippa. This has resulted in some confusion over which Sippa ancient tablets came from, Sippa Yerurum or Sippa Ramnanum. Sippa Yerurum was the larger of the two, said to have been founded by Ziasudru after the flood to serve as a library. The classical Babylonian historian Berossus, claimed Ziasudra buried the records of the world from before the flood at Sippa Ramnanum. Clearly, this sipper was not the Zimba that would have been destroyed around 45,800 years ago. The ruins of Sipiyarurum are found at Tel Abu Habnu near Yusufiyah, in central Iraq. Sipiyarurum is known to have been occupied since at least the early Uruk period, 
which would fall between 9900 and 7500 BC ULT, or 4000 to 3100 BC CMT. In either timeline, the city of Sipayarurum predates the flooding of dynastic Shurukpak, meaning that this city could not have been founded after the flooding of dynastic Shurukpak by Ziasudra. This supports the idea that dynastic Shurukpak was not the city that was flooded during Ziasudra's life. The name Zimba, is believed to be the source of the Sumerian word Sipru which means writing. The implication, is that the Sumerians either invented or originally taught writing in the city of Sipayarurum. The city of Sipur is one of the known sources for ancient waxed wooden writing boards, that were used as early as the late Uruk period, circa 5231-4931 BC ULT, or 3400-3100 BC CMT. These writing boards were used for a wide range of purposes, from training scribes in cuneiform, to administering the city. It appears that they may have been the major form of record-keeping during later periods of Sumerian history, unfortunately, few have survived from the Sumerian era. The name Zimba itself, is believed to translate as bird city in Sumerian, which when combined with being the root of the word for writing, forces us to consider the possibility that carrier pigeons could have originated at Zimba. It is known that the Mesopotamians were using carrier birds of some kind by the time of Sargon, circa 3885-3845 BC ULT, or 2334-2299 BC CMT, called the Izzutu. Carrier pigeons were used for carrying messages between cities and even countries in ancient times. They were still in use by Western militaries through World War II, and reported to be in use by the Islamic State as recently as 2016. It is believed that the ancient Egyptians were using carrier pigeons by the end of the First Dynasty, circa 5510-5247 BC ULT, or 3100-2890 BC CET. The Axis Mundi According to the Sumerian king lists, the king of Zimba was Enmendana. His name is generally translated as Chief of the Powers of Dunki. Dernki translates as approximately the meeting place of heaven and earth. This means that Enmendana's name translates as approximately chief of the powers of the meeting place of heaven and earth. However, the Sumerian word En, was also used in archaic Sumerian to mean time, or era. Meaning that Enmendana can also be translated as time of the meeting place of heaven and earth. Whatever this is supposed to mean, it is clearly a description of a time period, and not a proper name, much like the later names of kings during the first Kish dynasty. This concept of the meeting place of heaven and earth is known throughout many ancient cultures, generally referred to as the Axis Mundi by academics. Many ancient cultures claim that specific mountains were the Axis Mundi, such as the Canaanites, who claimed Mount Hermon was the Axis Mundi. In the ancient Jewish book of the Watchers, the Watchers first descended to earth on Mount Hermon, which is possibly descended from an earlier Canaanite story. In the modern Jewish religion, Mount Zion is the Axis Mundi, the hill that Jerusalem is built on. In Christianity the Axis Mundi is not currently on earth, it is God's city, which will eventually land on Mount Zion becoming the new Jerusalem. The ancient Armenians believed that the gods had once lived on Mount Ararat, much as the ancient Greeks believed the gods lived on Mount Olympus. In traditional Chinese beliefs, 
the Kulun Mountains were the Axis Mundi, where the peach tree of immortality could be found. In Hindu, Jain, and Buddhist beliefs, the name of the mountain is Meru. Meru is a mythical mountain, which has been identified with several actual mountains, including the Pamir Mountains of Kashmir, Mount Kailash in Tibet, and Mount Sumero in Java. The fact that Mount Meru has been identified as several modern mountains, clearly points to the fact that the original location is lost. In the ancient Zoroastrian holy book, the Avesta, the Axis Mundi was the Hara Bears Aiti, which translates as High Watch Post. This mountain was surrounded by the steppes of the Aryan ancestral homeland, Aryan M. Vajar. The Aryan M. Vajar is described as being in the Arctic, before the beginning of the last glacial period, which if interpreted literally would be the Buranga Mountains, on the Tamar Peninsula, in Siberia. This name, High Watch Post, has an odd similarity to the early Jewish story of the watchers descending on Mount Hermon, indicating that the Persian-era Jews may have been partially inspired by the Avestan story, merging it with the ancient Canaanite story, as they appear to have merged several flood narratives. There is an old Akkadian story of Enmendana, where he is called Emdanki, that seems like a halfway point between the ancient Sumerian story of Enmendana, and the Jewish story of Enoch and the Watchers. In the story, Emdanki was taken to heaven by the gods Atu, and Adad, where he was taught the secrets of heaven and earth, much as Enoch was in the Book of the Watchers. Additionally, both Enoch and Enmendana, are the seventh antediluvian monarchs, or patriarchs, in their respective cultures. The Akkadians had their own version of the Axis Mundi, Mount Mashu, which Gilgamesh had to pass through to get to the Garden of the Gods, on his way to meet Utnapishtim. Mount Mashu's location is also unknown, it was described as being a long way to the east of Uruk. These Axis Mundi mountains are found in diverse cultures throughout the world, and in countries without mountains, people for some reason buell, tee them and then treated them as the Axis Mundi. This was the case for the Giza pyramids in Egypt, the Iana Sigarat in Uruk, and the pyramids of Teotihuacan in Mexico. This concept of Axis Mundi is clearly very old, with many specific points across Eurasia and North Africa being identified as being the Axis Mundi, along with some in the Americas. This means that the idea must date back to a very early point in human prehistory, before humanity settled in the Americas. The settlement of the Americas, is a topic that causes a great deal of debate, however, remains of the settlement at Monte Verde in Chile, have been carbon dated to 33,000 years ago, meaning that the concept of the Axis Mundi is likely older than that. The Axis Mundi was not always a mountain, it was also commonly depicted as a tree in Eurasian cultures, such as the German Yggdrasil, Baltic Austras Cox, Hungarian Igigerofar, Turkic Agasana, Mongolian Modune, and Chinese Jian Mu. The Ashfats are from the Vedic texts, of ancient India, is interpreted by many as an Axis Mundi. World trees are a common element of Native American beliefs, found depicted in Aztec, Izpan, Mayan, Mixtec, and Olmec architecture. In the ancient Mayan book of Chilambalam, the world tree was called the Yaxi Mixche. 
The fact that World Tree Axis Mundi is generally found in the cultures of the Eurasian Plains, or those that had long contact with them, as well as the Native American cultures, points to the origin of the World Tree Axis Mundi as a story these cultures once shared, presumably before they migrated away from a common area. These tree axis mundis, also have counterparts in many of the mountain axis mundis. In ancient Chinese folk religion, the peach tree of immortality was located in the Kunlun Mountains. In the Sumerian religion on top of Mount Ker, was the garden of the gods, where the good tree was located. This has been interpreted as a forerunner of the Jewish tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden, which has also been interpreted as an axis mundi. The Lashamp Event Whatever the original Axis Mundi event, the Sumerian king list places it between 64,779 and 43,779 years ago, which is odd timing if purely fictitious, as many Assyriologists would claim. The end of this time period correlates with the beginning of the Lashamp event, which was a short reversal of the Earth's magnetic field. The Lashamp event is estimated to have taken place between 43,400 to 39,400 years ago. During this time, Magnetic North became Astronomical South, and Magnetic South became Astronomical North. If anyone was watching the skies and looking at a compass, the world would have seemed upside down. The reversed magnetic field lasted for about 440 years, with a 250-year transition to and from, the upside-down world. The reversed field was 75% weaker than the normal field strength of the Earth's magnetic field. The increased amount of radiation reaching the surface of the Earth caused increased production of beryllium-10, and higher levels of carbon-14. This event was first recognized in the late 1960s, as a geomagnetic reversal in the Le Champlava flows of Clermont-Ferrand in France, since then the magnetic excursion has been found in geological records from many parts of the world. The cause of the Le Champ event is unknown. The fact that it happened at the time when the Sumerians' claims in Bafel, could be incidental, however, it is difficult to explain why they would name the king as Enmendana, meaning the time of the Axis Mundi, and claim he was taught the secrets of heaven by Utu, the sun, and Adad, the storm god, implying a stormy time when there was a problem with the sun. If Zimba did in fact use carrier pigeons, the reversed magnetic field would have also wreaked havoc with the bird's navigation, and likely caused the failure of the civilization's communication network. The end of this era, when Zimba fell, is not just the time of the Lashamp event, it is also the time of very cold periods, that seem to match the beginning and end of the Lashamp event. These very cold and very dry periods happened between approximately 44,300 to 43,300 years ago, and 40,800 to 40,000 years ago. They have been detected in both ice core samples from Greenland, and the study of carbon isotopes from caves in Europe. During this time in Eastern Europe, the average temperature is believed to have dropped to sub-zero year-round, and permafrost spread down from the Scandinavian glaciers. This period of increased European permafrost is believed to have contributed to the downfall of the European Neanderthals. The combination of the sudden onset of this cold period, combined with the magnetic reversal, and weakened geomagnetic field of the Le Champ event, would have been traumatic to any culture at the time. 
The fact that modern humans began to migrate into Neanderthal territory at this time, both in Europe and Siberia, does indicate that something major had changed within early modern human culture. Zimbari Genetics The time period when Zimba fell is also notable in terms of human archaeogenetics. Human mitochondrial DNA haplogroup U is believed to have developed from haplogroup R between 49,800 and 43,200 years ago. This haplogroup is widespread, and found in the indigenous populations of Europe, the Middle East, South Asia, North Africa, and the Horn of Africa. It diverged into nine subclades as the populations separated from their common source, which seems to be Zimba. The oldest known sample of haplogroup U mitochondrial DNA was recovered from a Siberian skeleton dated to circa 45,000 years ago. Archaeogenetic studies have found haplogroup U mitochondrial DNA in the remains of dynastic Egyptians, the remains of the indigenous Guanche people of the Canary Islands, and the remains of ancient Europeans. Today this haplogroup is found in between 8% and 15% of Indians, and 11% of the native population of Europe. The highest percentage are found in the Berbers, at 29%, and the Copts, at 27.6%. Given that these are the two known descendants of the native North African populations, it is plausible that Zimba could have been in North Africa. In order for this haplogroup to have developed, there would have needed to be a significant number of mitochondrial DNA haplogroup R people, within which the mitochondrial DNA haplogroup U group developed between 49,800 and 43,200 years ago. This new Zimbiri population would later found the Shirokpaki population, perhaps in the ancient Nile Delta. The location of Zimbra itself was logically somewhere in the region where haplogroup U is found today, Europe, the Middle East, North Africa, or South Asia, although Europe should be excluded as a potential location, as it was inhabited by Neanderthals at the time, and modern humans only began entering the region between 45,000 and 43,000 years ago, around the time Zimba fell. The source of haplogroup U is generally assumed to be somewhere in the Middle East. Anatolia, or the Caucasus Mountains. This is the end of this episode of the Broken Timelines podcast. For the complete text, notes, and quotations, please read the complete collection of Broken Timelines books, available at Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, Gardner's, Google Play, Kobo, Script, Walmart, and many other vendors, as well as most public libraries.